to 1 John chapter 2 and then put your finger over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is week four in our current series we're in right now called Be Careful. Be Careful. And the idea of this series came out of the scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. The Full Life Study Bible says John was contending against a misunderstanding of the doctrine of grace and salvation, something which we constantly deal with today. Did you realize that what you face you think is the big concern or the big issue or even what other people are going through as if it's something new. Do you know that the devil doesn't have any new tricks in his bag? Do you know why he doesn't have any new tricks in his bag? Because you keep biting on the same bait. Why change it, right? Every fisherman in here knows this. You can have a tackle box full of bait, different bait, new bait, the newest bait. But if those fish keep biting that same orange little worm, why change it? It's the same stuff. This whole grace philosophy today that means do whatever you want to do. Don't worry. You don't have to. You don't have to. What was the word today? You don't have to get rid of any addiction. You don't have to do it. You do whatever you want to do because grace, 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 grace. God has to love you. That's an old one. That is such an old lie. And that's what John was contending with in the Bible that we're still contending with today. He opposed these teachers who taught that forsaking a sinful life was optional for the believer. They declared that one can legitimately claim to know God in a saving relationship and at the same time be indifferent to God's will and his commands. The whole idea of our relationship with God is supposed to be a picture of a husband and wife relationship, right? Tell me it's okay to stand in a wedding on the day of marriage exchange vows, exchange rings, give a kiss, and go sleep with somebody else that night. No! Come on! It's a sold out, nothing else, I'm all yours, I'm all in, you have everything about me inside and out is yours. I will not let my eyes look at another. I will not let my heart be drawn to another. Right? Did you, do you realize that in the Bible that adultery and idolatry is almost synonymous? And idolatry is anything that takes the place of God in your heart. 
anything. You'll have no other gods, little gods, before me. Anything that takes that place. Anything from that marriage vow oneness and two will become one relationship. Anything that tries to separate that is an idol. Idolatry and adultery. It's you're committing adultery upon God by turning to another. Same thing. Those who make such a claim that you can have that saving relationship with God and at the same time be indifferent to God's will and his commands, those who make such a claim, John states, are liars and do not have God's truth in them. The attempt to be justified through faith in Christ without a commitment to walk as Jesus did is doomed to failure. And that's the whole idea. And this is, like I said, week four of this series. Be careful. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful. We're going through all of these. Your heart, your hands, and what you do. All six of these things must be working together to be able to walk as Jesus did. And we have to be careful, not like on eggshells, ooh, you know, God's going to strike us dead, but that we represent. We're supposed to be Jesus with skin on to the world. Be careful you represent him well. So the first week we focused on the mouth, saying what Jesus would say. The key point was you eat what you speak, whether life or death. And the, the mouth has a power of life and death. So be careful you're speaking life over yourself and life over others. The second week we focused on the mind, thinking as Jesus would think. Our key point was what you think is what you believe. So be careful. Lazy thoughts are just as dangerous as negative or wrong thoughts. We need to set our mind to think from the mind of Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ. Why would we choose to think anything less than? I don't know. I don't know. Don't that drive parents? Parents, come on. That drives you crazy when you ask your child what were you thinking? I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You had to have been thinking something to do that. Oh, no, that was the problem. They weren't thinking anything. You've been given the mind of Christ. Why would you think any less than, than from his wisdom, his mind? And don't allow, don't allow, and I like that. It's, it was very intentional where he says, take every thought captive like that disobedient dog and make it line up to the word of God. Does that line up with the word of God? And that's what, you know, he was doing here in the first John chapter three or two is that there was a, that belief that you could do whatever you want to do. And he's like, wait a minute, let's line that back up. You know, I heard the master say this. I heard the master say that. Oh, that don't line up. And so he exposed it. This is a lie. Because I took it back to the word and it didn't line up. And last week we focused on the ears. Be careful how you hear and what you hear. Be careful what you hear and how you hear. 
Our key point was it takes hearing and understanding to produce a mighty harvest. And we looked at the parable of the sower, and really we could retitle that the, the parable of the hearer because that's what it was really all about. Well, it's an and. Remember, it's an and. But it focused mostly on the hearer, the reception of the seed. What do you do with the heat, the seed when when you when it's tossed at you? I should, you know, you think about it. He's flinging the seed, or was he taking each seed and opening? It's what you do, the hearing of. What are you going to do with it? So be careful how you hear. Start hearing and seeking to understand. And we really got into that. That God doesn't hide the understanding from for you. He actually sets it on a stand for all who that will come in. You do have to press in. It was his disciples that pressed in and said, what does this mean? So if you're looking for the understanding, it's right here. He'll reveal it to you. Be careful how you hear, that you water it, feed it, pull up the weeds. If we're looking at the, you know, the, the word as a seed, that you care for it, you tend to it. And be careful what you hear. Stop listening to death. Complaining, fault finding, you know, slanders. You know, if you're constantly feeding on that bad stuff, you'll create a hunger for that bad stuff. I mean, you think about healthy eating. You know, when I've eaten junk food, junk food, junk food, and then somebody sets a salad in front of me, you know, I'm like, it don't even taste good. But if I'm constantly eating healthy, 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 I won't even desire the junk. If you're constantly hearing the junk, you'll, you know, radar ears will pick up on junk. Ooh, I hear. Ooh, I hear. Ooh. But if you're feeding on good things, like that vessel that's constantly filling up on good things, those bad things can't even stick around. Actually, you'll run from them. You'll be like, uh, no, thank you. And remember, your emotional and physical health is directly linked to what you hear. And so if you missed last week or any of these weeks, please, you know, you can get the free CDs, those little round flat things that they have now. If you still got one of those players, otherwise podcast or on our website, you can listen to these messages. Um, over and over again even. Today we're going to be focusing on our eyes. Be careful little eyes. What you see. Be careful little eyes to be seen what God is seeing. Our key point today, and you've heard me say this a hundred times, is seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 13. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. How can you fix your eyes on what is unseen unless you're already seeing it? I mean, when I was um, in labor for my daughter, my oldest child, I was only, I had just turned 17, and I didn't have any clue, no clue at all. But luckily, this lady, the nurses, I think, went and called her in because I was the one standing on the bed screaming and ripping things off me and, get me out of here, probably cussing like a sailor, too. And the lady came in, and the um, what are those little coaches called that, that person, the Lamaze coach came in there and got me, you know, back on the bed and, and gave me a quick five minute lesson. And the key is focus. She's, and she, it was weird, uh, wallpaper. And she says, I don't want you looking at the wall. I want you to pick one pin spot out on this wall and only focus on that and control your breathing. Don't get upset and control but you have to focus. And so, you know, she's like, where is it? Where is it? Where? And she's moving her finger. Where is it? Where is it? And I said, stop right there. She goes, then that's your spot right there. Don't ever lose focus of that one spot. I was staring at that wallpaper hours before that. And the minute I saw that, everything calmed down. And I did the same thing with, you know, when I had Isaiah, of course, by then I'd gotten a little bit smarter and I brought with me a little picture of Jesus, you know, hanging on, you know, that one where it's in the clouds and you, you only see the back of the person because Jesus is holding him. And I brought that. And so right on my blanket, right, you know, between my knees, I had this little postcard picture right there. And that was my focus. Because I'm like, if I'm going to die through this, I know where I'm going. No, I'm just kidding. For all those who are pregnant, I'm just kidding. But you have to be able to see what you haven't seen in order to keep focused on it. So how do we do that? We have to see what Jesus or what God is seeing. We have to be able to fix our eyes. Remember, seeing isn't believing, but believing is Seeing, you have to see what God is seeing and then speak to it. And we're going to get into that. I believed, therefore, I spoke. But you have to fix your eyes, not on what's seen. It's temporary, like the testimony that was given. All those things that seemed like a whirlwind of, you know, problems, let's call it that. It's easy to lose focus, but focus your attention. And I want to tell you, it's just not on anything. Being very diligent to see what God is seeing. Listen, in Jeremiah, God asked Jeremiah twice in chapter 1, what do you see? And this wasn't a physical, what do you see? And then he asked him again, I think, in chapter 24, what do you see? 
This was a spiritual. Spiritual, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see right now? And I like it that God answered him when Jeremiah, well, I see, a, I don't remember, I think it was an almond branch, the first one. He said, you've seen correctly. And then God says something like, I'm, I'm watching over my word. I'm watching over my word to see that it comes to pass. And he said that same thing again when he addressed, a, when he gave the same question and addressed it with Jeremiah in 24. Where he said, what did you see? He said it again. God responded, I'm watching over that, that you see, I see, and I'm keeping my eye on it. See, it's very important that we don't just look at what's happening. The temporary things. Everything that you see is temporary. It doesn't matter. Oh, but it feels like it matters, Right? But what's eternal is what we can't see. But what we can't see is what God is seeing, and that's what we need to see. That's what we need to focus in on. God, I'm going through right now. And my eyes want to look at the waves and the wind that are starting to you know, rush around me and, and cause me to sink, right? But God, show me what you see in the middle of all this or beyond all this. Show me what you see so I can keep my focus on what you see. Because that's what God's watching over. That's what God's going to see through. Help me to see what you're seeing. God told me during the week of prayer and fasting that we went through up in January. Um, help them see the Cornerstone Campus. And really, to tell you the truth, I shrugged my shoulders and I went, Hello, God, I have. You know, I've been preaching this for, uh, is it going on four years? What did we just hit? I don't remember. See, I don't even remember. You get to my eight and you're like, eh, what does it matter? One more year. Mm. Been here forever. I'm like, God, come on, we even have it posted on the wall back there. We talk about it all the time. But he said, help them see it. And then he reminded me of the Habakkuk scripture. Let me just read it to you. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries or though it has tarried, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry or it will not tarry any longer. It, the vision, write the vision down and make it plain. Listen, general non-specific visions do not give God glory. And it's the weak-willed Christian that won't be specific. Why? Well, if I say that and it doesn't happen, what am I going to look like? When I pray for somebody, I'm going to just pray niceties on them. 
non-specifics, hope-filled, well, if it's God's will. No, when you get specific, the only way that's going to be answered is if God shows up, that means only God can get the glory in that. So when you don't write it down, make it plain, be specific, you're taking the glory away from God. You're robbing him of receiving glory. And we said this in staff meeting on Wednesday. That we're seeing more and more answers to prayer because we're getting more and more specific in our prayers. When we prayed for uh, my mom on Tuesday, we were very specific exactly what we wanted to see happen. They, I was sitting in the trauma room with them on Tuesday. And they ran all the tests. The doctor came in. He said, it's a stroke. I'm like, what? He said, yep, it's a stroke. I've been doing this long enough. He goes, watch, stand up. And he had her stand up. He said, try to take a couple steps. And she was doing this. And she, he goes, no, try to walk. So they, you know, stepped away from her a little bit. She, and she would fall to the left. He goes, that's it. He said, that's a stroke. And that's how you're going to be the rest of your life. If we don't deal with this right now, and actually they gave us like a 15-minute window. We've got to administer this medicine because if it's a clot, it's going to, you know, or it's going to bleed, and this is going to happen. So she's either going to be this way the rest of her life, always falling to the left. And he says, you can forget about driving. Because she's like, can I still drive? No, forget about driving, forget about working, all this stuff. It's all over. He said, but if we don't address it with this medicine right away in 15 minutes, you know, you could, the clot and kill you. He goes, but there's a 5% chance side effects of this medicine we will give her will also cause her brain to bleed and, bleed and she can be dead in just a few minutes. How does that sound? Yay! And we're also going to run an MRI too. So you need to make that decision right away. And we're going to run an MRI because the MRI will prove what damage has been done through this stroke. Because everybody knows what's the outcome of a stroke. Usually everything left side, right? The drooping face, the, the weak limbs, the, you know, like mom was doing, you know, she couldn't even stand up or walk on her own. She'd be falling to the left. So they're like, lay her back down. She can't move 24 hours. We're going to start this medicine and then we'll do a MRI. As soon as we get, they had to wait 24 hours to do the MRI because of the medicine going through her blah, blah, blah. So I sent out the prayer request right away. I want specifics. I want number one, that the MRI will say absolutely no signs of a stroke at all and no damage, no lasting damage from the stroke, period. That's the two things I want prayed for. They moved her from the trauma room. Well, she had to stay. Did they move her into? Okay, now I can't remember. From the trauma room, yes, up to ICU right away. After they gave her the 15, we had to stay in the trauma room one hour because she, if there was going to be bleeding to the brain, it would happen within that first hour and she would. So right away, we were praying right away. I didn't even get a chance to get that one out. I'm just like, 
we're going to pray for that one. No bleeding, no bleeding. We kept no bleeding. We was watching the clock. No bleeding, no bleeding, no bleeding, no bleeding. And finally, the hour passed. Yay! We had a testimony right in the, you know, trauma room. They moved her up to ICU. 24 hours, she'll be in a regular room. He says, the best I could see is she might go home after a few days if everything works out well. But we don't know what the permanent damage is going to be. Anyway, we're still praying specific, those two things. That was Tuesday. Thursday, I was getting ready to go up and see her again. And again, we're still praying those two things. The doctor comes in because the MRI was done Wednesday night at 10 o'clock. Came in Thursday about 11 or 12 and said, I've never seen this before. I'm looking at all the tests. I'm looking at the MRI and there's no sign of a stroke. He said, I'm the doctor that saw you in the trauma room that diagnosed you with a stroke. There's no signs of a stroke at all. He said, and I've heard all the nurses around the station says that you've been walking the hallways by yourself, up moving around. He said, and so you have no residual damage, no you know effects from a stroke. He said, this doesn't happen. He says, and he brought in other people to do all these physical therapy type tests on her and she was passing them all. He said, I'm releasing you home from ICU. Nobody does that. Gets, you know, discharged to go home. And so, like, they're walking the hallways, praising the Lord. Of course, my mom, my sister, my dad won't be quiet about anything. Of course, they were giving testimony to everybody because he kept saying, I don't know what happened. Carrie's like, it's called a miracle. That's exactly how we've been praying. And mom and Carrie, they're like, don't tell anybody we want to do a video. We want to give testimony. And then, you know, we went over to their house later that night. And mom says, I don't even know what to say. I said, I'm sorry. It's called a miracle. Did you forget? That's how we've been praying. Well, yeah, but what did he find? He found nothing because that's how we've been praying. But if you're not specific, if you don't write it down, if you don't say what you're seeing or what you're believing for, then when it happens, who gets the glory? Hello? Nobody does. Actually, I've never told Pastor Denny the second half of this testimony. I had a meeting with him Wednesday morning, and in the middle of the meeting, I remember, I'm like, Weirdest thing, last night I had a dream about your mom. You know, I kind of know his mom. I mean, I go there and tan once in a while and, you know, I love her little store and everything. And I said, but it was really weird because I was waking up and the whole dream flooded in my mind. You ever have that happen? It was like God saying, you're not going to forget this one. And, uh, you know, I won't take the time because it's pretty long. But anyway, and... At the end of it, it was more of a, if you guys can do this much good, because it was a whole business situation, this much good was something that means absolutely nothing. And then we looked at each other and, and said, I think there's something better that we could be doing. And it was that excitement about we work together, this is something big. I went to Tan that night. She's there, which she's hardly ever there when I'm there. While she's waiting on customers, she goes, Brenda, 
stop right there. I got something to tell you. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I waited as she's waiting on customer. I had a dream about you last night and I'm like, shut up. I had a dream about you and she's waiting on the customer. Seriously, I got to tell you all about this dream. And so, I mean, we're like yelling back and forth at each other and she's trying to wait on customers and I'm like, wow. And so I was telling my parents about it later on that night. I'm like, I am so glad I told Pastor Denny because now I have proof. Because, you know, she said, oh, I had a dream about you. I'm, you know, I could have said, oh, I did too. Really? You did? Yeah, I got proof. I did. You have to get specific. You have to write it down. You have to make it plain. And let me go through the rest of this and tell you why. So all who reads it can run with it. What if I wouldn't have told her I had a dream too last night? Then she'd be like, oh, that's, she'd probably be battling the rest of the night or the next day thinking, oh, Pastor Vern is just going to think I'm weird. Why would I tell her that I had a dream about her? She's probably thinking I'm thinking about her, you know, right? But when I made it plain to her that I had the same dream and you had the same dream and it was the same, the same vein, the same theme, that something big by us working together is about ready to happen. And so when she said that and I said that, we're like, we're in. And she said, I'm all in. I don't care what it is. And I'm like, I am too. You know, I'm all in. So they can run with it. Everybody carries a responsibility to it. It says that the vision will speak and it will not lie. You know why it will speak? It's called the testimony. When that thing does come through, when that vision is finally realized, when that answer to that prayer is finally here, it speaks all by itself. It's a testimony. You can't, when that church building, when that new sanctuary, as it's going up right now, it's already speaking to the community. People are already talking about it. What is God doing there? Something's happening there. And I like how he said the vision that was set for a specific time, though you thought it's been, you know, you've had to wait for it, and wait for it, and wait for it, wait for it. He said it won't tarry any longer. It's coming. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. God got his eyes on it. Remember, he said, what do you see? See what I'm seeing. And then remember, I'm watching over this, so you need to be watching over this. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm talking just as fast as I can. In Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, right? It says that Ezekiel, that God took Ezekiel to this valley. And before he even said anything to him, he walked him back and forth. Walked him back and forth through the valley of bones, back and forth, back and forth. And then it says that God stopped him and said, Ezekiel, will these bones live? What was he trying to do? Can you see what I'm seeing? Because in the natural, you just see a bunch of bones. But come on, Ezekiel, do you see what I'm seeing? Can these bones live? And of course he does what everybody, oh God, only you know, God. 
No, he's like, come on, get it. And I love it that he, he told him specifically what to prophesy because he said, oh, no, honey, you're going to speak to these bones. When you see what I'm seeing, you can speak life. Remember, and the power of the tongue is life and death. And whatever God spoke, he also created. When he speaks, it's created. It's in the power of the seed, everything it needs to bring life. And the, I, he told him specifically, listen to the words that God told him what to say. God said, now speak, prophesy to these bones. Say exactly this. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. This is God telling him, this is what you're to say. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I want you to see the parallel between Habakkuk chapter 2, making the vision plain, and this valley of dry bones. Look at this. He says, do you see what I'm seeing? Come on, make it plain. What do you see? What do you see? Now I'm going to lay it out for you. This is exactly what's going to happen. Make it plain. Make it very specific. This is exactly what's going to happen. And now speak to it. And when it's finished, when it stands up, when it's that vast army, it will prophesy that I am the Lord. And I like it because Ezekiel's like, okay, I'll say exactly what God told me to say. And as he was saying, it says, as I was prophesying, there was a noise. As he was still, the words are coming out of his mouth and he heard a great noise, the rattling of bones. Come on. Do you hear the rattling today? This is not just hype. I'm, I'm telling you, we are on the, the edge of it. Every time I think about this one new sanctuary, this phase, whatever we, we titled it, I only hear a rattling of the great campus beyond. This is just a rattling of the bones. This isn't even the vast army that's about ready to stand. But we have to stay focused. We have to see what God sees. And it's not just what man sees, what anybody else can see. It's beyond that because that's what he's watching over. Then we can speak to it and keep speaking to it. Come on. This is the word of the Lord. You know, the siding's going to go up. The sanctuary's going to be full. The next phase is going to begin. The next campus is going to come around the corner. There's going to be people flying in from all over the world. You can speak to it and see it. But you get specific. You get specific over it. When you're speaking to it. That way, when you're making it known and you're telling other people, this is what God's going to do. When it happens, he gets all the glory. 
What can we do? We can line ourselves up to see what God's seen, say what God's saying, and walk where God's walking, doing what God's doing. That's what we get to do. So our key point is not believing or seeing is believing. It's believing is seeing. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I believed, therefore I spoke. See, nobody, God cannot get glory if you don't speak what you're seeing. If you don't speak what you're believing, God can't get the glory for that. See what God is seeing and speak, prophesy to it. This is the second Sunday of the month, which is our building fund update. But because I'm running out of time, um, I'll get specific at the annual business meeting in two weeks. So make sure you're there two weeks, annual business meeting. We'll get very specific. We'll, we'll give cost breakdowns, what we're looking for. Um, don't just read what's on that wall. That gives some of what the Cornerstone campus will look like. I don't want you to just read it. I want you to see it. You have to see it. Because when you start seeing what God's seen, You'll take responsibility for seeing it through. You'll partner with God and like birthing it into existence. I, I know that's really weird. Um, but it is. He's showing you something so that you'll cooperate with him, partner with him, take responsibility for it, speak into it, and move it forward or pull it forward. I, we've been doing a pulling it forward because even if it, you know, it should take, you know, a longer time than what we're believing for to finish this new sanctuary, we're pulling it forward. How long did it take Nehemiah to rebuild the walls? 52 days? 52? We've got 10 weeks, 10 Sundays before Easter. Oh, yeah. God's a big God. That's why we've gotten very specific. And I tell you, I've been battling that one. I've been battling that one over and over again. Every day, every time another Sunday goes by and I'm crossing off another day or another week on my calendar, I hear that nagging little voice that says, boy, you shouldn't have said Easter. Why did you do that? How, you know, oh, wonder. It just gets me excited now. Because I'm like, that just means God's going to get that much more glory when he comes through. Isn't that what you said in a testimony that uh, that man, that the bigger the, the bigger the impossibility, the bigger opportunity for God to get glory? Come on. In Proverbs 29, 18, and I am wrapping up, it says that people perish for a lack of vision. People perish for a lack of vision. 
Some translations say people cast off restraint when there is no vision. Um, one of the meanings being um, if you have no purpose, if you have no vision, what are we to do? Whatever we want to do, right? Do whatever you want. Spend, spend, you do this and go here and do this. Why? Because I have no focus. There's no vision. Cast off restraint. But where you have vision, you have purpose, and now you have plans set in motion. Well, we're going we're gonna to take this because this is going to this. We're going to do this because this is going here, right? Can also mean where there's no vision, people perish. There are people going to hell every day, every hour, every minute. And I could, you know, make you all mourn by giving you the specifics the statistics of how many people slip into hell every second, every minute, every day, when we're not doing what we're called to do. People perish for a lack of vision. See what God has seen. See what God has seen. And start speaking to those bones. You will live. Hear the rattling as you're speaking and continue to speak. Because it, when it stands, will testify. Will testify. And I like it that Paul said, I, I think it was in um, Acts, toward the end, where um, when Paul was being taken before the courts, he said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. We know without a shadow of a doubt that the Cornerstone Campus here that's, that's written about there on the wall is the vision for this church. I want to be able to stand before God, stand before the court, stand before you and say, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. I'm all in. If I can use the analogy, I'm pushing all chips to the center. Nothing else matters. I want to see what God's seeing. I want to speak what he's telling me to speak. Speak to that. Create life. Breath into those dry bones that they can stand. And then they can testify to God's goodness. So would you stand with me right now? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Wasn't it um, Jonathan Edwards that was the um, young coal miner? Was it Edwards? I can't remember. Let's just say it was. One of the revivalists. In God's general's books, it was a coal miner. God set him on fire at early, early age. and He's going to, I think it was a, a tent revival. And he went to the pastor and asked the pastor, you know, God's been giving me a word and I need to speak. <laughs> How many pastors have said, ah. And so the pastor in all his great faith said, well, after I do the meeting, um, if anybody wants to stick around, you can speak to those ones. 
And so there was about 25, 26 people that stuck around after the meeting. And he stood up and gave his first um, message, pastoral message. And he asked at the end of that, how many are all in, sold out, want to be all in with God, abandon all in with God. And 13 people raised their hand, 13 people stood and said, we are in. That next morning, he called the newspaper and said, uh, revival's here. He didn't say revival's coming. He said, revival's here with 13. The Welch revival started with six. Revival's here. We, we keep praying that it's coming. It's already here. Listen to the testimonies that have already started coming out of the sanctuary here. Out of your lives. Revival is here. And all it took in, I think it was Jonathan Edwards. Was it Evan Roberts? Oh, see, I love it. Immediate answer to prayer. Was 13. I'm all in. That's how we're going to pray at the end. We're praying specifically the word that Crystal gave earlier. That if there's things like that chain, um, uh, habits, whatever. What did you call them? Addictions. There you go. Just call it as it is, right? Anything that keeps pulling you back from running full board after God is going to be broke today. It's already broke. It's already broke today. It's already broke. But we're going to also pray specifically that we want to know how many's all in. All in. I want to see what God's seeing. I'm going to start speaking specifically what we're seeing, what God's showing me. And we're going to get specific and so that God can have all the glory. I'm all in. So let's do this. Let me just pray for you. We're going to kind of wait on the Lord just a little bit. I want to make sure if he's got anything else, if he's got a word of knowledge of, about anything else. Um, and again, remember, words of knowledge are um, the whole blind Bartimaeus, God's calling you out. <laughs> hey, when Jesus turned and said, go, go get Bartimaeus, tell him the Lord's calling him. That's what that is. It's a word of knowledge. It's to empower your faith that God's calling your name. And it can also be a gift of faith where you don't know, you don't even have to have any faith. You're just like, that's me. And the gift of faith is unhanded. All right. So let's do that. Let's just pray for a second. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Oh, I thank you for your word. God, that you are so loving. Mm. God, that you love us so much that you want to partner with us. You've empowered us. You've equipped us. You've called us. And then you're with us. You want us to see what you're seeing. You gave us the power of life in our tongue to speak life into those things that you're showing us. God, 
God, that we can hold your hand and partner with you and see life emerge. Yes. Yes. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to see what you see, God. Open our eyes. set our eyes we set our eyes on you we focus on you not on these temporary things these troubles these trials these things that try to distract us we set our focus on you and what you're seeing God mm. yes yes <laughs> 